Welcome to Inside Legion, the podcast that takes place inside David Holler's mind. I'm Alex. Alex, is that you? I, I'm inside David Holler's mind. I'm I, over here. Oh, I'm that, over in the amygdala. Oh, nice. I'm in the frontal lobe. It, wait. Is, is that, that Pete? Is oh, that Pete? I, I see him through the through the neurons. If you guys both weren't fathers, I wish you were dead. <laughs> uh, that's the highest compliment you can oh, give wow, me. That's great. Well, welcome back officially to Inside Legion. We yes. posted up a little bit of a preview episode for season two, but we are back. This is a podcast going to go up right after every episode broadcasts on FX. We're going to talk about the show, talk about some theories with the show, uh, and get you a little caught up, do a little bit of a recap do do right here at the top. Yeah, we've spent... We we've recap season one, or can we get into season two? Yeah, let's recap season two, Pete. I think that's yeah. a good idea. Let's no, start with that. No, I'm saying, can we get right into it, or do you got to do a recap thing? Yeah, yeah we, we got to recap. I just said we got to do a recap do do which is a long way of saying Pete, recap. We've spent the last almost year wandering through the brain of a, mm-hmm. uh, a mutant. And yeah. like we just ran into each other again for the second time. And yeah, we have so to- I want to see what you guys are up to on you know season one of our lives before <laughs> we get to season two of our lives. Oh, man. Can I get through this? Yeah, please do. Great. This sort of bit at the beginning is a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it. So yeah, we'll definitely delete this. Uh, <laughs> so here's uh, what happened in season one. We met David Holler, who is possibly the world's most powerful mutant. He has uh, almost unlimited psychic powers and control over objects and other things. He was infected as a young boy with a parasitic entity known as the Shadow King, who is another mutant, also known as Amal Farouk. And over the course of the first season, he met his true love, Sid. He met uh, various other weird mutants at a place called Summerland. They fought against a place called District uh, District Division Three. I did that last season too. I think we we, we will. Yeah, we'll do that. There you go. Uh, against Division Three, and by the end of the season, Division Three and Summerland had teamed up to get the Shadow King out of David's mind which they did only for the Shadow King in the form of Aubrey Plaza to escape with Jermaine Clement, uh, who had just escaped from his own psychic prison after years and years and years. And then at the very end tag of the episode, David was standing on a balcony at Summerland. It was captured by an orb and taken away. Yeah. So I think that's that's what we left. Yeah. I think that's kind of all you need to know getting into this other than this is one of the most visually inventive shows on television ever. Yeah, it is such a satisfying show. The way they use like just uh, dream logic and imagery to uh, tell tell a story, but also to just like immerse you in this world is it's unbelievable. It's Noah Hawley, who uh, you may have uh, seen Fargo, uh, the TV series, which is excellent. But this pushes his uh, creative capacity into a whole new direction, and I love it. And one of the rare shows that also rewards repeat viewings, I think. You know, there's a lot of shows where I feel like because my job is to watch TV on a daily basis that I'm kind of just jamming plots into my head over and over, and that's pretty much it. Your brain's full. It's very full. I do not know who you guys are, to be perfectly honest. But every episode you watch, you delete a friend. (laughs) (laughs) I hope we're some of the last two to go. Uh, Yeah. I would think so. David. David. <laughs> David. That's a good name. But um, I, I would like to say I completely yes. agree. Like the 
especially because as you learn more, you really want to go back and watch it again. And uh, it's very much rewarding in that uh, aspect because there's so many layers to what they're doing uh, during the show. It is not only very rewarding to go back and watch it again, but you definitely get uh, uh, different things from watching it a second time. But who has the time? I don't know, but uh, we do, I guess. Nice. Nice. So watch it twice. Yeah, I watched it twice. You did? I did. Yeah. Holy shit. Look at that. No way. I watch it once while I'm watching something else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, this is a lot of people I, at where I work uh, who listen to podcasts at speed and a half. Oh, what? Isn't that insane? Wait, what? Well, that, I think that gets to the whole jamming a plot in your brain thing. People yeah. do that for TV as well. Well, they'll watch it on like partially fast forward, and that drives me nuts. I just can't. Wait, yeah, they put people on. People watch shows on fast forward? Yeah, they, they'll put on uh, subtitles and just watch it at time uh, at first fast forward. That's and insane. Yeah, it just takes all the pleasure out of doing anything. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, that it just comes down to that level of like. Okay, I'm just gonna get you know my story, like so I know what happens to the characters, and then I'm gonna move on, yeah. and that's it, so I can talk about it. I mean, but I, I we talked about this on the last episode. Noah Hawley very specifically went to the season trying to combat that, trying to combat binge culture, saying, "Listen, this is not a show. If we're gonna broadcast it week to week, I want to make sure it's worth it week to week. I want to make sure yeah. you see things that you never seen before, that it's visually rewarding, but also that each episode is rewarding as." its own piece of the puzzle and I think that's great and I think that's exactly what this episode is there are so many things going on in it so should we get into it let's do it please come on like you, you were talking about it, geez. too. Yeah, I know. Stop but complaining still. about everything. Pete, do you want to uh, perform this podcast a time and a half? Because we could easily speed up and really get through this. No, no. Yeah. Worry about slow, it. And that's what happened on slow, Legion. Slow, slow, slow <laughs> so we actually don't even start with David at the beginning of the episode. We start with the shadow kings and queens and Yas queens and Yas kings hanging out in a pool. Well, it starts what I was very happy about is it ended with my two kind of favorite characters driving away together. Yep. And I was nervous it wouldn't start with them because those two are unbelievable actors. Guess what? And like, it started with it them. It started with yeah. them. And oh it was this God. weird them floating in a raft in a pool and just, you want to talk about artistic and well done, like the shot, like it, it kind of like slowly zooms out and lets us kind of like piece together what's happening. And this show is completely insane, but amazing. Yeah. It, it, meanwhile, we get a voiceover talking about the maze and talking about delusions. You want to talk about this, Justin? I don't know. I need to talk about it. Uh, I, I was curious. Who, yeah. I was curious who I, I was listening to this voiceover. And I was like, I recognize that voice. Yeah. Do you guys did you guys notice who was doing the voiceover? I stop think. holding this over us and tell us. I just literally asked you the question. Yeah. He's just it. asking, who's your guest? Who do you think did yeah. the voiceover? Because I'm going to say Barack Obama. Oh, oh great. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I, he was saying, oh, it's a uh, maze. And uh, delusions. Wow. Wow. That Barack Obama got better as he did it. (laughs) I'm practicing. I'm just working out some material right now. Uh, Usually your voiceover stuff is pretty bad, but that was. Thanks, Pete. I really appreciate that. That's a great way to sneak a compliment on the back of an insult. Uh, Pete. Uh, I call it legacy at all. Who did you think? Fucking stop playing with my emotions and tell me, a hole. I think it was Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh. Oh, Doing the voiceover on the maze. There's another voiceover later in the episode, the one about. Delusion. Patrick Harris? That's a terrible guess, oh. just because it sounds Bill the same. Nye. 
another, I don't know why you guessed that, but it's pretty decent. Science guys. I believe it was John Ham did the second. Yes, that okay. was, yes, Ham. Yeah, yes, Ham. I want Ham now. <laughs> Is that what That's you're thinking? That's who it was. You're ham, right. I'm hungry for Ham. I was, it was driving me crazy, and yes, Ham is correct. Uh, but I do love stuff like that, these like uncredited uh, performances where it, it, it adds to the dream logic, which I think pervades this whole show, where you're yeah. like, oh, I sort of recognize that, but I can't quite grasp what it is. And, and I feel like hearing those voices, do it does feel like you're in a dream, hearing these words, yeah. and seeing these and images. And it's like a familiar voice. Well, yeah. this Because I love John Hamm. I, I listen to him. I invite him over and have him rock me to sleep every night. I mean, wow. not that we necessarily got very plot-heavy exactly by the end of the season, but it was more plot-driven as they took the fight to the Shadow King and yeah. as we got more clarity about what was going on with David, even though we still don't have complete clarity about what his mental state is like. But this one... There was there were so many ideas just thrown at the wall starting from the very beginning. Yes, where we this is jumping ahead a little bit, but I think it's important to understand when you're looking at the scene because you don't understand it later that something is going on with the Shadow King, where the Shadow King seems to be trapped in, yes. in a very similar way to everybody else. Uh, and after the they're in the pool, it zooms out. To tell me if I'm getting this order incorrect, but from the pool, it zooms out to Amal Farouk yep. and zooms out to the bar where we see uh, go back to a couple of times later to the club. Um, and we get uh, Jermaine Clement saying that they are trapped. So the question is. We see for the first time, and we know from the comics, I don't think it's totally necessarily clear uh, for viewers if you're not familiar with the X-Men comics, but that's the real, quote-unquote, Amal Farouk that we see in that scene. Yeah. The guy with the glasses sitting in Paris sipping a cup of tea. Yeah. But then the question in the my mind when I see that, that is, are Jermaine Clement and Aubrey Plaza trapped by the real Amal Farouk, or is Amal Farouk also trapped at the same time, what exactly well, is I mean, going on? The way the Shadow King's powers work in the X-Men comics is uh, he can jump into people's brains and he controls their bodies. And right. I think that's what's happening here. Uh, I think the Shadow King is trapped in the body. It seems like Jermaine Clement's character is like sort of along for the ride, like not necessarily fighting back. He seems like a pretty chill dude who just likes to sit in the pool. Uh, so he's along. He's trapped with the Shadow King in that in his body, and they are going about uh, going around. And as we learn in this episode, searching for Amal Farouk's actual body. Right. With the shot, it almost looked like it was saying that uh, those two were trapped inside the Shadow King's head, but were then trapped inside Jermaine's head. Well, yes. the they are. Kind of, yeah. So the psychic parasite that is the Shadow King has attached itself to Jermaine Clements. We should really, his last name is Bird. What is his first name? Does anybody know? Montgomery? That's Montgomery a guess. Montgomery Burns? Burns? Yes, that's what it is. Nice. Yep. Uh, excellent. Uh, he, whatever he is, we'll keep calling him Jermaine Clement for the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Shadow King is in his head. But the question in my mind is because we see the Aubrey Plaza aspect of Amal Farouk is very different from the Amal Farouk that's sitting in Paris. What exactly is going on there with that, you know? Oliver. Oliver Bird. Oliver Bird, thank you. I think we just need to remember that he is Oliver Birds. Yes, that's a great uh, mental trick to get to remember it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'll just remember it. I would like to say, though, it would be nice if any time you asked for a drink, a floating hand just showed up and handed you one. 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. That, that would pretty, be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be good service. Yeah. Should we move on a little bit? So, I yes. want to talk about the first shot for another twenty minutes. <laughs> okay, I honestly Pete, could. So he wants to go. Happy to he wants that. to go on vacation so bad. <laughs> oh, man, do I? Uh, Got to go to that floating hand resort. Oh. Well, here's a place that I mean, is. If we're gonna go. Here's a place that's no vacation is the room of people chattering their teeth, oh, which is what that we was see so next. scary. Yes. So this is, uh, I feel like we're going to need to skip around a little bit because yeah. there's items and images that get dropped that don't only get half explained later on. Uh, but this is something called the catalyst. And what is happening is they think that the shadow King, as he is searching for his body, as he passes through is infecting people. And if we find out also later that it's people, above a certain age, so it doesn't actually affect children, uh, and turns them into these frozen beings with chattering teeth that yeah. all get stuck in a room in Division 3. I think, yeah, they get gathered there yeah. and, uh, That's because they're, they're sick. Hold them. Yeah, it's like a quarantine. Yep. I was uh, thinking a lot about this. First off, horrifying image. Yep. Great, oh, like, nightmare man. situation. I can picture it uh, This show does brain. that really well. I was also thinking, do these people need to eat? Because if they need to eat, then is someone just putting food up to their chattering teeth that they just said, like... They probably should not give them crackers. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah. Very messy. On the other hand, like, a nice soft PB&J or something might be okay. But yeah. I think they're using them a lot for like nutcrackers and stuff like that to cut up, <laughs> dice up their food. Totally. Uh, Hole punches. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. It's great. Just shredding paper. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's a great way to, it's a way to turn a lemon into lemonade. Yeah. <laughs> it's really smart. So what do you think this represents? Why do you think this is happening, people? And do you think this is, in fact, something the Shadow King is caught it, causing? I do think it's something he's causing. I think it's something that is a side effect uh, of his presence or maybe like almost like breadcrumbs or like leaving a, a map of where he's been like uh, it's also I think it's like his his mind is so powerful and he's using his power to try to find his body that I think he's infecting them uh, with this sort of plague uh, as a as a side effect yeah I think he's like trying on all these people and like that's the effect of like they're no good mm-hmm. but yeah he just leaves them empty now there's something that happens also early on that I thought was kind of fascinating and definitely when I was watching it the second time colored my viewing of it autonomy when Tanami first shows up he's chattering his teeth it's a very quick shot but mm-hmm. here's the question in my mind because when he interacts with people later on it's usually one-on-one or fuzzy in the background. So I'm wondering if something, in fact, did happen to Tonami and Tonami was infected probably when they went to the club to rescue David, which is the next thing which we'll talk about. Tonami? Tonami is uh, the guy who can go into dreams, go into memories, excuse me. He's the one who's sitting down and having uh, waffles. waffles with David okay. Holler once he wakes right. up. Yeah. yeah. So... I don't know. I mean, this is a little bit of an out there theory. There's no particular reason for it, but um, I think something is going on with autonomy, and I don't think we entirely know what it is yet. Like he is maybe he's sort of st- he's stuck in the chattering state, and yeah. maybe he's uh, you still able to access his mutant power and be in people's dreams. Because I oh, do wow. think the scene a little bit later where he is sitting down with David in this sort of uh, like. You ever go to one of those sushi restaurants where the food comes on yeah, a track? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that, but it's a water. Uh, it's yeah. boats in water, and it's breakfast foods. That feels like a dream place. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we Although, talked about this a lot last season. Awesome. If it was in real life, yeah. I don't know. Don't you think the waffles would get cold? There also were not a lot of people there, so I just felt like it was a waste of food. To be honest with you. 
Well, you don't know. Maybe on the other side of the wall, there was tons of... No, the, the chattering teeth people are at the end, and they just... The waffles. Yeah, chopping up the waffles. So we'll see. We'll see if that pans out. I just wanted to mention that. That's a good theory. So then they do find David in this club all alone. He quickly falls unconscious after... Uh, what does he say? Save them? Keep them safe? Uh, keep he, it precious? Keep it safe? Something like that? Yeah, keep keep him safe, I feel like. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. So they take him back to what turns out to be Division 3 when he wakes up. And what's happened in the year that he's been gone, he thinks it's just overnight. Yeah. Or maybe he doesn't. We'll get to that as well. Uh, but in the year, Summerland folks have teamed up with Division 3 and all become one thing to help fight the Shadow King together. Right. They actually joined together to fight other enemies, but the Shadow King is the most pressing thing. The Shadow King is causing this catalyst, and so they want to stop that immediately. Uh, so the Summerland folks have been integrated into Division 3, and in fact, uh, particularly the Carries are running some of the teams in yeah. delightful fashion. Now, the Carries are... What a great duo character that we get to see a lot of in this episode. Uh, Carrie, uh, Carrie, the female, is ready oh, to fight. Man, that was so great the first time you saw her, and she was like, oh, that was fantastic. If you don't know, it's this this is uh, two characters where that live the the female fighter who's much younger lives inside the other carry right. and she pops out and is a badass. Yeah. yeah. So uh, when the David finally wakes up, uh, guy carry is in there. He takes off his mask. They get worried that he's going to get infected if David is infected with whatever's going on with the Shadow King. And all of these guys come in. Carry comes out of a guy carry and says, "Hello, boys." And they immediately put their weapons down yeah. and give up because she's that much of a badass. Yeah, she yeah. Is. and it's great. I I love that character so much because yeah. they play against the physicality of the actress that she's this adorable little person, but clearly yeah. can kick everybody's asses. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, the other thing that I really liked a lot uh, while we're talking about the carries is they talked about how this season in particular, and they did this last season as well, but this season they really, really want to push the physical effects over digital effects. And there is one point when Carrie walks out of Carrie that clearly like that did not happen, but they do another shot when David is about to get into a tank naked that girl Carrie comes out of boy Carrie and they're like come on we talked about this come on get back inside get back inside yeah. she's like what what and they swing the camera over to David for his confused reaction and then she says okay fine and you're and they swing it back and she's gone yeah and it's just such a simple camera move you know exactly how it happened that she snuck off camera but it's great I love that they do that instead of playing the same effect every single time out of also I, 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 I love that moment because like it's she is such a goon and this was such a sensitive moment it, he was like you're making people uncomfortable you don't know how to act around people and I thought that was really cool but while we're talking about Carrie I'm really happy that they're utilizing this actor because he got to my blue heaven it up. I mean, he got to show off those Bill dance. Irwin, yes, he is a dancing machine, and I'm glad Bill he got Irwin. to flex those muscles a little bit. So good, yeah. He, uh, as we talked about last season, you guys got super mad at me for no particular reason. He is a pretty famous clown. So we got to see some of his clowning moves. I, well, would say. I don't remember getting dancing, mad at you. You, um, Pete, at the very least. Uh, he's a dancing machine. I mean, I'm, that's also awesome that he's a clown. Uh, I have nothing against that. But, like, his dance skills are phenomenal. Clown skills. 
dance skills. Clown skills. Did you see My Blue Heaven? Do you even know what we're talking about? Yeah, sure. You guys it's have different cultural movie, right? touchstones. Oh, my God. You know what? Uh, it's, not that, Pete, it's but... not that Pete's scared of clowns. It's just that he's been wronged by clowns sure, over and sure. over again. Well, he, there was that whole Pennywise incident. Yeah, the Pennywise problem. Uh, Pete had a very tiny <laughs> car for a long time that he was just full of clowns. Pennywise problem. <laughs> yeah. I love that Hardy Boys book. Yeah, it's a great mystery. Uh, so, you know, Pete's just angry. Bill Irwin is a very famous clown. Cool. But that why take away from his dancing skills? It's That's why I don't, taking, it's adding to his no, dancing skills. No, because you won't acknowledge that he's a good dancer. You keep saying clown. Here's the thing. He's a bad dancer, but he's a good oh, clown. Fuck you. Wow. If you look real close, you can see the clowning and the dancing. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's a little overlay, but why can't you just say, yeah, he's a great dancer? Can you hear the clown in this podcast? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. So David does wake up, and he has this conversation we mentioned with Tanami, where Tanami does the whole half information thing. Uh, we also get to meet a new character who is a guy with a basket on his head. Yeah, what do you contr- think of basket head? Who controls, hold on one second, uh, who controls a legion of ladies with mustaches who talk with uh, vocorders, is that what they're called? Uh, sure. Vocoders, yeah. yeah. Uh, and often in front of like convex uh, glass that yeah, makes their faces mirrors. bigger. Yeah. Yep. Here's what I liked about that. I liked, it is so weird that even David calls it out as being weird, mm-hmm. and that makes it okay. Well, I think that point touches on so much of this show. Like this show, especially this episode, like it gets us in this dream world that's like, what? What is this? What's happening? And then when once David wakes up, he's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, yeah. he plays straight man so hard to so much of this stuff, and it's so fun. Uh, I think that adds just such a nice grounding element to the show. But the basket head, uh, I think his name is General Fukunaga. Basket yeah. uh, And he is, uh, I'm very curious. I love it. It's uh, cool. It's well made. It looks like a uh, like freshman at NYU's uh, modern art piece uh, yeah. for a lot of it. Very I was going to say Big Trouble Little China uh, That's reference. another great example. But, that was a great student film. But, but I love Basket Ahead, and I'm excited about I also think because the first season was so crazy, you can get away with stuff like this in the second season. Yeah. Do you think uh, it was a sneaky FX reference because they have baskets, the Zach Galifianakis show? Yeah, that um, cross-promotion right, stuff. This show sold out. Or do you think it's a reference to Buckethead from Def Leppard? Oh, yeah. It's probably but, what would that things. Huh? Just buy Def Leppard records is what they're selling. <laughs> yeah, those things got it. There's got to be a lot of warehouses man. full of those things. Oh my god! No, dude, those sell out like crazy, man. Still oh, records, yeah. huge. <laughs> Def Leppard, man, come on, records. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What do you What do you listen to? CDs or cassettes? Still, uh, I listen to LPs. LPs. Yeah. For LePage, no. <laughs> <laughs> Pete LP, PLP. Nice. Uh, so we meet uh, General Fukunaga. Fukunaga. Baskethead. Fukunaga. Uh, Baskethead, sure. I'm going to stick with Pete on this one. Yeah. And uh, big uh, the more important thing, though, is that midway through the conversation with Tanami, Sid comes up. Sid finds out that David is back, and they... How about that moment, though, when they were like... She was, they're like, yo, David's back. And she's like, who? And they're like, your boyfriend. Right. Well, was, because she's a cat to start with, which is another Which is very cool. Moment. And the title of the episode, The Madness of Crowds, uh, yeah. I believe is in that moment when she's a cat. Very cool moment. Th- this episode, felt I felt like I had a little bit of touch of Wes Anderson in it in a, uh-huh. in a sort of a nice way. When we see that we toured Division 3 right after David wakes up in a couple scenes, that felt very Wes Anderson. Right, with all the letters yeah. over the, yeah, the big The titles letters. of the different divisions of Division Three, yeah, which was really fun too. Yeah, that yeah. was a fun bit. Yeah, it's funny. They, it's almost 
It's interesting you say Wes Anderson because this show is almost like Wes Anderson's X-Men in a certain way. Yeah. Because they, a scene like that, like you're absolutely right that it's something that kind of would happen in a Wes Anderson movie with the titles that way. But the way that everybody's playing it with crossing their arms and posing is very superhero at the same yeah. time. Yeah. So it walks this line of doing both of those things and working for both of those things, I think. Yeah. yeah. The cool. show does such a great job of being creative in its own way, even though it's doing stuff that... We're very familiar with. Yes. All right. We get it. We like the show. Calm yeah. down, everybody. No, I'm uh, going to keep so talking about that. Once Sid and David see each other, they chit chat for a little bit. And where do they go? The sex room. <laughs> oh, yeah. But let's talk about the, the sex room. No, let's talk about how when they first got together. In the sex talking. room. No, no. When he was like, he was like, can I kiss you? And she was like, you better. I thought yeah. that was such a great moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a great moment because it took us to the sex room. What? That's it. <laughs> hey, the password to the sex room is open your mouth and kiss. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know we're at my house, so I wouldn't invite you into my sex room. But yeah, it's, I've been there once. It's very nice. Yeah. Okay, good. There's it's a, very It's fancy. a very nice. Great room. buffet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You guys didn't think it was sweet at all that moment? Yeah, that was lovely. Sweet, and she says, "Are you the magic man?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm the magic man. That's pretty cool." And he's into it, and then they fuck. Yeah, like so all much. Well, okay, all right. But seriously, mind that fuck. was a awesome yeah. sex scene as well. Just yeah, it's the way great. that it looks, the way that they play it out. Again, it feels like a dream, but. Uh, plays like a fuck scene. So, you know. Jesus <laughs> Christ, man. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to end that sentence. Yeah. I was trapped. Oh, you really landed Just that. the way oh, your Jesus. eyes... Like, oh, it's oh, yeah, so crazy. No, your eyes really up and you tore your clothes off when you said that? <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, I have a question for you guys on the same uh, note. So when I was riding the subway over here to tape this, um, I realized that my fly was down like two stops away from your house, Justin. Um, Normal. When you're on Normal. the subway... Yeah, and you realize that. What do you do? You immediately put your hand down over one hand blocks, the other hand zips. Wow, it sounds like it happens to you on an almost daily basis. No, uh, I zip it up immediately and just if someone's noticed and watching me, they got a real show. Yeah. Oh, all right. There you go. What, what did, did you, you do? do? You yeah. just let it out like I made this mistake and I'll <laughs> suffer for it. <laughs> I'll let it. No, I got terrified Punish me. because exactly what Pete's saying. I don't want people to be like, oh, I'm fiddling with my crotch on the subway. You know. Uh-huh. Luckily, I had a, a sweater and a shirt that were hanging over it, so yeah, only you know I know there's like naked crazy people that walk around New York City all yeah, the time. There's one oh, right so here. It's fine. There's one right here. No, yeah, I'm, I'm just naked right now. There are people. I'm not walking who, around though. who have like. Yeah. Lizards and parrots and like all sorts of weird stuff on them at all times, and you're worried about pulling up your fly in a polite manner. So you're what, where do you live? Yeah, what lizard parrot world are you in? He was I don't know what podcast he was talking about. Somebody oh God, wa- everything started on. to bled for you. Uh, yes, yeah, the, yeah. The, the you walk around person. with like yeah, the cat on their yeah. head or whatever. Yeah. And there's yeah, people with true. rat on their rats on their yeah. head. Yeah, they have rats like crawling up and down their arms. For those that? of you wondering who the clown was earlier, <laughs> turns out it's Alex with his dick out. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say my dick was out. Uh, I didn't say it was. You didn't say it was. Yeah, I mean it was. Yeah. <laughs> Great. What a dream logic. What a dream world so, to enter. Yeah. Anyway, what was the point covered, of bringing that up? I'm not quite sure. We definitely got off track with that one. Because <laughs> you consider the subway your sex fun room. fact. Right. So uh, after the sex scene, he goes and meets with General Fukunaga. Uh, Baskethead. Baskethead. And uh, meanwhile... Sid has a really good conversation with Melanie, and I really like this scene a lot. Yeah. I mean, this is jumping forward a little bit, but yeah. Melanie is in a bad way because she finally 
very briefly got her husband Oliver back. Yeah, Oliver Birds. Oliver Birds. <laughs> she got all of them, every <laughs> single last one of her birds back, but then lost him to the Shadow King, and oh. she is distraught. Of she course. High, she's picturing she's, wheelchair wolfmen. She's living how that elephant you, smoke. How elephant could you smoke not be after that? Like that's got to destroy you. Yeah, I loved her monologue in this episode. Though she talks to Sid, and Sid says, "Hey, you know, David's back." And she basically is like, "Yeah, for how long? We just wait and wait and make excuses for our men so that they can go off and they can be heroes." So great, and. Then we just wait for them some more and we just allow them to go do this. And it's interesting because I think she's right, but she's wrong in this instance. Like it walks both things simultaneously where as we find out by the end of the episode, yes, Sid is Sid and uh, uh, David have a much more complicated relationship than we even could possibly imagine by the end of the episode because there's a lot of tricks and people protect each other and other things. But at the same time, Sid is not a passive character. She's not somebody who's just going to wait around for David. She is going to go and she's going to take care of things. But she's also gone on missions too. Like, I think she's just right. Well, that's what I'm saying. But saying Melanie, something from a dark place. Like, I don't think she really believes that. No, but, but I think you could believe both things simultaneously. My uh-huh. grandmother uh, referred to my grandfather fought in World War II. He was a, a nose gunner in Italy. Mm-hmm. And she, he came back, and she referred to World War II as like your big party in Europe you had. So I feel like she had wow. that. Like I feel like there's that thing yeah. where, uh, like, it seemed like, of course, she was proud of him fighting uh, sure, sure. the war, but also it was like you were gone for so long with all your buddies like screwing around over there. Like you can be both simultaneously like regretful of that and and understand why. My wife just, is like, whenever I come back from taping a podcast, <laughs> yeah, you idiot, <laughs> you over there with your buddies. No, but, I, but yes. she's proud I mean, of you because you're yeah, fighting but, the good fight. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people need after shows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Super important. Oh, you truly are the greatest generation. <laughs> oh my god! This is uh, weird. Uh, yes. So <laughs> I, I think she has a good point there. I think that it definitely spurs Sid on to some action, and as we'll get to some further future action as well. Um, yeah. But uh, I don't know. I want to see Melanie off the bench. I want to see her get out of this funk and. Fight. She was a little bit on the bench all of last season as well. Yeah. So I do think she has this sort of position. No, but as she was also like in the beginning as well, like doing stuff. Oh yeah, a little bit. But I feel like she is sort of the matriarch of this group, mm-hmm. and I want to see which is a similar role she played in Fargo season two. And I feel like that's why I know how he uses her. She's great at being this sort of uh, person who's seen some shit, but is also still in, ter- in charge, mm-hmm. uh, whether they want to be or not. Uh, so I would I agree with you. I want to see her. Um, the music in this scene when she's smoking out of the elephant was great. Oh, yeah, man. Jane's addiction song, loved it. The yeah. whole music in this whole show is so good. Yeah, they I, if you need really... a trick to remember her name, it's uh, Smelony Birds. So there's oh, yeah. all of her birds and Smelony because if you have all of your birds, they're going to be a little bit Smelony. Yeah, you're going to smell smelling them. Smell, smell on him. So, David, uh, meanwhile, we should probably jump to the da- scene. David Holler. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I got nothing for Sid. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so, he meets with his old enemy, 
who is now kind of his new enemy over some ice cream in that yeah. diner a little bit later on. Uh, and uh, it's nice when people can sit down and have ice cream. Yeah, I yeah. I love this character. By the way, I'm yeah. so glad that they kept him. I'm so glad they bring him back. He started off as an antagonist. The not the head, but a flunky at Division Three. Yeah. Now he's kind of working with the Summerland team, kind of not working yeah. with them. He's almost like internal affairs, I feel like, in a way. Oh, that's true, yeah. And he sits down with David because David clearly is withholding some information for everybody, and he's the person who is confronting him about it. Yeah. He tells this great story about watching soap operas with his mom as a kid. Great. And how whenever there was a, a secret twin or a twist, or somebody died and then came back or something yeah, like yeah. that. They ate ice cream. And he has this line where he's like, I was a pretty fat kid. Yeah. Uh, and David knows exactly where he's going. He sees it. He's broadcasting it. And he's like, I didn't lie. And he's like, oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. And then they deliver some ice cream. And he just turns to him and says, ice cream. And I, I love the dynamic. The reason I walk through this is because they both know what the other one is doing. David, as he points out, can read his mind, but it doesn't matter because he's not playing any games even when he's playing these games. And I, yeah. I think that's great. Uh, yeah. It was... I love that whole bit. Uh, I thought it was really well done. Um, and But he also did that last season. Like He's never been very truthful or very open with things in his past or things that have happened to him. So, like, this isn't new for him. It's just other people are kind of catching on to it. And especially Sid. She's like, yo, I can't roll like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely the sort of thing that Sid would say, I think. Well, I paraphrase, obviously. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but you're really inside the character's head. Uh, I, and I do think... Uh, we are. This season, I feel like, is a little bit about David coming clean. From the, this episode, mm-hmm. is setting up the idea that he has information that he's maybe not uh, sharing with us. Uh, he last season he sort of got right, got straight, and now he has to sort of like clean up after that to like become maybe the the person that he needs to be for to be the hero. I guess mm-hmm. before we get to the last couple of bits in the plot, There's do you guys want to talk a about lot of stuff the to go here. what? I st- we still got a lot of stuff. To no, talk no, about. I know. I, there's the whole stuff with the tank. There's the stuff at the yeah. end, uh, which we'll get to. But I, I was asking if we want to take a little bit of a side trip and talk about the different stories that are peppered throughout the episode. Yeah. We get the story about the butterfly, and we Very get the cool. story about delusions, which completely different visually and both really, really cool. Yeah. yeah. Also, there's the running kind of like, uh, like affirmations that happen throughout the episode where it's like, do not trust thoughts that aren't your own. You know. Oh, right. Yeah. So back at Division Three, they're giving warnings so yeah. people don't get infected with the catalyst. Uh, but let's talk about the butterfly of... story. What did you yeah. take away from that? What do you think the point of that story was? This is the classic story of uh, a man is sitting and he sees a butterfly and he's imagining. He can't decide if he is dreaming the butterfly or the butterfly is dreaming him. Sort of classic like, story. That's the classic story. I've heard that before. Yeah, oh, that's okay. a classic story. Uh, and uh, questioning the nature of reality, like who is the dreamer and who is the dream. And there isn't more a more apt metaphor for this show. Like it is so true that this show is all about whose perspective are we watching, which part of the parts of the show are real, which are taking place inside someone's brain. That was what last season was all about. That was uh, what we questioned at all times. And I think this season feels like it's all happening, but how can we trust that? Like you're talking about with the uh, uh, ch- chattering teeth, like is, is, 
that character locked up? Like what's happening? I feel like that's what, what we're going to continue to be thinking about. Yeah. Uh, and of course, I mean, at another level, that's exactly what happened that we were talking about with the shadow King at the beginning where Jemaine Clement and Aubrey Plaza are trapped inside a mall Farouk who's trapped inside Jemaine Clement who is trapped inside this club. Um, it's just layers upon layers upon layers on the other end of the spectrum is the delusion story. And we actually get two bits of this. John uh, there's does the voice. I love that ham. Yeah. Ham and, and eggs actually. Oh shit. Yeah. Now it makes sense. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to go back to the subway right now. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Got to get my subway on. You know what I'm talking about? I'm going to zip down my pants. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. I, you got it. I did get it. I just couldn't believe you were doing that. Sure. This voiceover so, is talking about how uh, delusion is sort of starts as a tiny thought that, that can then grow to start to infect your uh, whole life. And the char- they create a character who uh, thinks his leg is not part of his body. Right. And then he stabs his leg and eventually like uh, cuts, cuts it off. off. Yeah. Uh, and meanwhile, we get to see a blip of Aubrey Plaza Shadow King interacting with two eggs, one which is a regular adorable little chick, and one is a mis- oh. malformed, black, oozing Sludge monster chicken. thing that, again, we get like this really cool-looking practical effect where Aubrey Plaza is far in the background, fuzzy, yeah. out of focus, reaches out of frame, and then a hand reaches down and picks up the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great. Again, like it's just such a simple thing to do, but it looks so cool because cool. without creating a stupid stretching effect, you get to get the sense of that, and it's really neat. But what do you think is going on here? Why is the Shadow King in this story about the delusion? I think this is what, uh, like, mind infection. Uh, th- this reminds me, if you are a comic book reader, the current run of Astonishing X-Men by Charles Soule is uh, about uh, Shadow King, for one. He's in the first arc, and what they're sort of fighting against now is this prophecy of the mind killer plague, which I think this may be a direct reference to, where something is infecting people's brains. The chattering teeth disease may just be a delusion that his that the shadow King is forced in these people's brains. But it's like, I feel like this happens to a lot of people who are like, I just thought this thing and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And it drove me crazy. That's a very normal thing. It's like people who are, when they're like, uh, are sort of afraid of heights. They're like, I feel like my legs are just going to jump before I have a chance to stop them. That's delusion. Right. Or you're on the subway and you realize your pants are zipped down. You're like, what do I do? What do I do? Should I zip them up? Should I zip them down? And then you're naked. But I I think what Alex is illustrating and then it. you're in a tank. He's been infected by this idea, and he can't stop talking about I, it. It's true. It's like a like a oozy chick. Yeah, yeah. I really like the delusion. <laughs> bit. No, like the like Uzi the chicken. Chick. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, here's the, the the twist is that Alex only wears uh, full body unitard spandex. So. This is totally true, and I only speak with a vocoder. Vo- vo- I don't know why I couldn't say that. Never mind. <laughs> Because uh, you want to say voice recorder. Yep. Uh, but I love these interludes. I feel like that's what this show can sustain, like, sort of wild little moments like this throughout. Uh, moving forward, we learn about the race for Amal Farouk's body. I feel like that's yep. going to be the, the narrative we're now, following. I got excited because they were like, oh, it's a race. Like, I got excited. Like, we might get, like, a cannonball run montage where everybody's, like, running to whatever vehicle and then, like, we're going all over the country to look for this guy, but it was like, they were like, oh, it's a race. And then everybody was moving pretty slow after that. So let me ask you guys a question. Do you think, I mean, yes, that does seem like that should be the plot for the season, 
will it actually be the plot for the season? Because what we had a lot of last season is like, oh shit, here's what the show's about. And then it would completely swerve and change everything that we thought about it. So I feel like, yeah, that's the pretty clear plot setup, and we will get a sense of that, and I think we will have to find Amal Farouk's body at some point. But particularly by the time we get to the end of the episode, it feels like that's not going to be the 10th episode of the season. That's going to be like the third or fourth episode of the season. And then we're going to move beyond that. Uh, that could totally be, I mean, uh, you never know. That's the fun of watching this show is it doesn't follow the same rules, but I would say, uh, the way this episode is structured, it feels like it is saying we have a lot of stuff to deal with with each character specifically. Yeah. Maybe it makes sense to have a, a cleaner plot throughout the arc of the se- this season. Right. And then we can pop out to deal with the individual characters. Right. So uh, we should also talk about the tank that smells like strawberries, right? Yeah, yeah. like getting inside a strawberry daiquiri. Guys, uh, getting naked inside a tank is a bad idea. Really? Really? I love it. I think that show, I think this show proved that. Uh, This uh, tank is uh, designed to enhance David's power so he can, uh, like, do what needs to be done. And it gets him to go back to this club that we uh, keep seeing Mm -hmm. when we get to see a great dance battle uh, that we talked about briefly, which is very cool. Uh, yeah. So should we talk about the scene? You guys yeah. want to discuss the scene? I mean, this is again, jumping ahead to the end a little bit, but we see the dance battle, which is awesome. Um, uh, wait, Oh, I had a really good name for Aubrey Plaza in the scene. Uh, Paris Sally Bowles. No, that wasn't good. It sounded better in my head. No, nice. <laughs> uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Cabaret Sally Bowles. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool, cool so cool, she's cool. a parasite. So she's Paris Sally Bowles. Okay. Uh, Really, okay. it sounded much uh, better when I was thinking about it than when I said it out loud. I bet you were thinking what, on the subway. Neither one of you guys freaked out by the tank thing. Like, I thought, like, it's just someone would have been like, hey, to do this next part of the mission, you got to get inside this, like, water tank, and we're going to lock in here. It's just I've been a, like, fuck you. It's a hot tub with a we're roof. We're not doing this mission. It's a hot tub with a roof. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it smells like strawberries, so it can't be that bad, you know? He was, like, locked in there. I feel I like that know. is a bad recipe. But uh, it's like being in the pool, floating on the thing. You're just in no, some nice warm pool, water. You, room, you can like, you know. You're, Are you claustrophobic? Uh, I guess I am because I'm the only one freaking out about this. But oh, you hate the hot tub life. No, I like hot tubs, pools, that kind of things. Those are normal. But getting in a very small, skinny tank and then locking the top, like I would completely freak out. I want to. I want to talk about the dance sequence because I think it was great. What I loved about it is how each of them had a separate dance style. Yeah. We got a dance sequence of the first episode of the first season, so it was a nice callback to that. Um, but at the same time, you find out so much about Aubrey Plaza, Shadow King, about uh, Oliver Bird, uh, about David, and the, the way they approach things through dance, through costume. That's really cool. I mean, so what cool. other show do you see? No that? other show could do this. Yeah. And it also becomes clear that what they're actually doing is all jockeying for control of yeah. this body, whether it's Oliver, whether it's David. It's a little unclear, I think, at this point. But that's what the dance battle is about. By the end of it, if we're zooming back to the beginning of the episode, we find David alone in a club as far as we know he is not infected again by the shadow king so maybe he was victorious maybe he drove them out we're not 100 percent sure I think. yeah where, where do you think where is this club real or is this club uh, a battleground inside one of their heads i think it's a battleground like there's that sex room there's the battle room don't confuse I, them yeah 
But I you don't have sex in the battle room. Watching this, it was like when watching them dance. I was like, oh my god! Please tell me I'm about to get an interpretive dance fight sequence right now. And then it happened, and it was glorious. It was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, um, I think it was kind of real, kind of imagined. You know, like the dance sequence. I don't think happened. I think that's as they were standing there. I think the monk that was who the has fight. a little bit of blood. Smeared on his head is probably not there either. There's something going on with him that we don't know what's going on yet. But I do think they were at a club. Like, I think yeah. they were there, and then everybody got infected with this chattering virus and taken back to Division Three. So I do think that happened. But a lot of what we saw there was in the psychic battleground so of the David astral plane and, style. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to disagree. I think the... Uh, they were breakdance fighting. They were almost like breakdance fighting, and I'm going to say that was the only thing that was real. I sort of feel like you want to be in a dance fight. Based on the way you're talking, <laughs> uh, it sounds like you just are jealous. I just think that they're fantastic and also hilarious, and uh, that there's a lot of levels of enjoyment there, and they pulled it off. And sometimes it's awkward, but they did it great. I'm going to make this dream come true for you. One night, and I'm not going to tell you when, I'm going to challenge you to a dance fight <laughs> wow. in a public place, Yeah, and we're going to have to do it. I've been in dance battles before, oh, and it, it's hard because you have to constantly outdo the other person. Oh, man. And, and I'll then, tell you what. I got moves. Uh, I would call you Pete, Pete Sally Balls. Okay, wow. now, I, is, now I think it's yeah. starting to work. Really? I think, I think people, it's going the other way. I think it's going the other way. <laughs> yeah. Pete Sally Pizza. Pizza Pizza. Pizza bowls. Pizza bowls. Pizza bowls. Just, just oh, a, great idea, dude. <laughs> just Thanks. a heads up. If you challenge me to a dance battle, I'm going to actually fight you, and then it will be weird. Without dancing? Yeah. I just want to mention, though, for the record, there is actually a place in Chicago that does pizza bowls, so, you know, I don't want to take it. Wow, way to have that. I thought that. you were going to say a place in Chicago where people can uh, break dance fight. No, no, no. They make them like kind of like pot pies with the crust on top, and then they turn them upside down. Uh, and all the hot filling pours into like the bread bowl crust. It's pretty delicious. Guys, check out Alex's diet book. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Death by Cheese. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, do we want to jump ahead to the end of the episode yes, now? Yes, there's this great scene. Uh, well, the compass scene? We're going to talk about that? So uh, David gives Sid this uh, little necklace. Sometimes when you're fighting, you just need to give somebody a gift to be like, Always I have love a gift. You. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, minutes later, um, David is confronted by Sid, who is wearing the necklace already. Uh, and it seems like she's a future Sid. Yeah. And she speaks to him with a magic wand. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a, a great interaction there. She looks like she's going through a lot of shit. She looks like she's been through some shit. Yep. The lighting in this episode, this moment, yeah, it's so cool the way again practical effect. Uh, they I don't think it was a visual effect. I think they were just uh, had like four lights around her face mm-hmm. that, that fake- lit her differently, and it yeah. it truly is like a very unique. It's, it was very that, cool. that whole scene was haunting, very to haunting. watch because beyond everything else, Sid. And I love Sid. Like, Sid has clearly been horribly damaged by whatever has gone on. You can see maybe she's been crying. Her face is a little wet during the scene. And something horrible has happened. Like, some, certainly some cataclysmic thing has to have happened for her to encourage David to help the Shadow King find his body. But all things have changed dramatically. Um, And 
I don't know. I just feel like it's going to be awful and heart wrenching to get there. Yeah, but yes, uh, uh, but also this scene was very frustrating because David wasn't listening to her. When somebody like comes to you from the future and has like a weird sweaty face look on, and they say, "Shh, I can't talk." Don't keep asking them to talk. Like that was driving me nuts. He's like, "What?" what well, it's what frustrating. He, yeah. She had to commu- communicate with like a sparkler, basically. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's frustrating, but like, don't get your girlfriend killed because you're yelling at her to say things that she can't right now because you don't know what plane she's in. Uh, and so the big story that she was sort of telling was he needs to find Amal Farouk's body, right? And yeah. that uh, so that upsets this race uh, that we've just learned because it seemed like the idea before was to destroy Amal Farouk's body. Mm-hmm. And now it seems like David needs to get it for him. Right. So we need, there's a lot of questions, obviously, up in the air now. But we need to know why David has to help him, what's going to happen when they work together. My theory, my working theory right now, goes back to that shot at the beginning. I think Amal Farouk is different from the Shadow King at this point, in a similar way to how we haven't really explored... David's multiple personality disorder, I think that's blooming with the Shadow King, that because Amal was bonded, this is, again, like, probably totally wrong, but because Amal was bonded with David for so long, I think some of David rubbed off on Amal and created a separate entity in a way, a separate personality that is depicted through Aubrey Plaza that has a little bit of affection for him. And I think that's... For David. Yeah, for David and for the world and doesn't actually want to destroy the world. I think the Amal that comes from the comics that is new this season is the one that's like, great, let's destroy the world. Give me my body back. I'm going to take over everything. Going to get my revenge on Professor X and destroy humanity. And I don't think the other Shadow King wants that. So I think what they're going to try to do is get the Shadow King, his body back, but make sure it's not Amal Farouk, it's Aubrey Plaza. Uh, and sort of creating a love triangle, it seems yep. like, between Sid and... The more Aubrey Plaza, the better. Yeah, but she's the bad guy, or maybe the good bad guy. Yeah, we don't as know. As opposed we'll to the bad, bad guy. Now, uh, the other thing I would say is what if... Uh, this vision of Sid was just the Shadow King projecting that. Oh. So to get the, his body back. Mm. So then playing David to get he'll do the work and get the body for him. Yeah. Wow. I think that's an option because that's a Sid is the the guiding light. The only thing, Uh, as she says, like I got to save my man. Why I thought it was true. I mean, I I, I'm it very well could be, and it felt very real and true. But I there was something about the 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 imagery of her many faces that made me feel like that's uh, sort of an image that is uh, used for falsehood. Uh, before we finish up, I did want to mention one little Easter eggy type thing that I don't think is the Easter egg I think it is. Okay. But earlier in the episode, I think it's Tonami mentions the Lazarus affair. He says, ever since the Lazarus affair, Division 3 had been set up to deal with things. And I think whatever the Lazarus affair is... That's probably the thing that went on between the X-Men and the Brotherhood and why they're kind of like not around yeah. at all. Because clearly they pre-existed. They existed before Division 3. They existed before Summerland. So I think that happened. Division 3 got set up to deal with mutants. But 
Lazarus, the only Lazarus in the X-Men comic books, is uh, the result of a program called Project Armageddon, which gave birth to Domino, who's oh, you yeah. like Domino, oh, right? I love Domino. I love yeah. Domino. So Domino is actually going to be showing up in the Deadpool movie. Uh, there's a little kid named Lazarus who's also called the Perfect Weapon, who's a killer, a tiny little killer child. So I don't think we're going to see that exactly, but it would be interesting because it was something they clearly dropped in there, and it might have just been like, eh, we'll figure it out later. Right. But I hope it's something we get back to eventually. And killer children would definitely make a lot of sense for this show. Yeah, because it was the creepy kid in the last season. And uh, kids aren't affected by the chattering. Exactly. Uh, uh, so I have a couple questions for you. What did you think when we saw the delusional creature crawl underneath David's bed? Uh, when he was there? I mean, that certainly gives credence to Justin's theory that the Sid that he is seeing is not real. But... Alternately, it could just be the seeds of doubt that are being planted between David and current, present Sid, Sid yeah. uh, that their relationship, which they're so happy about, is actually more fractured than either of them know. Okay. Right. And then what do you think about they kept showing like one and then ten? It was almost like an uh, they were... They talked about you got to go find this body, and they kept showing like the one in ten. I was wondering if maybe that was like an address or some kind of like nod to something uh, in the club scene. I don't know. I, the number one in ten. Yeah, they kept showing it like like a, like on the wall and stuff. Like they. Are you sure that, you sure that wasn't just like uh, when you were watching it? It was like one ten in the morning, or no, no. Was it you were moving it from volume one to volume ten? No, you're just turning it up and down. Yeah, yeah no. Huh. No, you, I actually totally missed that. I don't know. Me too. Uh, I thought maybe it was like a hint of some kind of like maybe go. ten added to one is eleven. So maybe the season's going up to eleven, and it's like a yeah, they're gonna turn it. Let's turn it up to eleven. Yeah, I mean, spinal. I can't thing. take this show being turned up anymore because it's already so crazy. Like I can't imagine it getting like more. Insane. Would you like to see it turned up? <laughs> <laughs> Cool. I sure would. To some kids. Yeah, clearly. I sure subway. would. Yep. Uh, but it's this, like, every time the show, like, ends, as soon as it goes black and gives us the credits, I'm always like, first thought, I was always like, God, I love this show. Yeah. Gotta love this show. Anything else from the plot you guys want to talk about before we start wrapping this up? No. no? Okay. As we end every episode, we're going to go around and say, what is real? What yeah. is real in this episode? Pete, what do you think was as something that was actually real? Uh, Buckethead is real and interpretive uh, dance fighting. Meet Buckethead from Def Leppard. Uh, no, I'm talking about Buckethead. Baskethead. Yeah, Baskethead. Sorry. Baskethead is real. Cool. What about you, Justin? Uh, I think it was all real except for the autonomy to- the stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. was taking place inside uh, David's mind or David's dream. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think this season, or at least this episode, has flipped things a little bit where it's playing out like dream logic, but a lot of stuff is actually happening. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I said, I'm not totally sure about the autonomy thing. I think the way they filmed it, something's up with that. Oh, also, elephant drugs are real. Like if oh, are they? Yeah. Smoke out of elephants. It's, oh, man. Like yes. an actual elephant? No. You know who probably did that? Bill Irwin when he was a clown. Boom. Yeah, nice. Gotcha. Because clowns love Or elephants. when he was just doing amazing dance sequences. 
Because he was a clown. No, because he's really good at dancing. If you would like to support this show and other shows we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. in New York that's totally free at the Pit Loft. Come on down and we'll chat with you about Legion or whatever you want to chat about. We have a couple other podcasts. Comic Book Club Live in uh, is our weekly live show. We also have another uh, comic review podcast that we drop in that feed. If you like the show Riverdale, Riverdale After Dark. And if you like the show Krypton After Krypton, all on the platform of your choice, all in their own feeds, go check them out. Download them all. Tell your friends, rate and subscribe, and et cetera. Pete, what else do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. Check us out at ComicBookClubLive.com for the podcast and more. And if you ever see me on the subway, don't say hi. Turns <laughs> out the clown was you, Ooh. listener. Ooh. <laughs> That's fucked up, man. You just insulted our listeners. Yeah.